Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. investment that's the nothing personal word of the day today is monday august 2nd 2021 what a weekend it was investment is the word of the day we're going to start with the mets they did something that a lot of mets fans are concerned about a lot of people in the sports world are trying to figure it out let me unpack it for you the draft happens that's when people who are in college or high school, they become eligible to be drafted for Major League Baseball. Baseball tries to make a big deal of it. No one cares. No one's heard of the players. The players show up awkwardly. They get drafted. And then you never hear from them again for years because they go to the minor leagues and develop. So it's totally not like the NBA, totally not like the NFL. You can have the first pick in the draft, and that player may not even make the big leagues. Or he can make the big leagues and be good but not great. You can have players drafted in the second, third, fourth round. Basically, it's a 50-50 proposition. But let me educate you. Steve Cohn, the owner of the Mets, tweeted that. He said, education time. He's teaching us. Thank you, Steve, for teaching us. We appreciate that. We want to learn from you, sensei. I think I have a better chance of learning how to catch a fly with chopsticks than I do of having you teach me about the value of draft picks. But that said, here's what happened. The Mets, during the draft, they drafted a pitcher from Vanderbilt. His name is Kumar Rocker. We talked about him on Friday, but let me explain why he fell in the, in the draft. In theory, he was this great pitcher for Vanderbilt, teammates with Jack Leiter. All of a sudden, he's the 10th pick in the draft. Mets are super excited. The Mets fans are going crazy. Scott Riley's dancing in the streets along with Mick. And everyone's happy. And then rumor gets out that he's hurt. They're not going to sign him. Can't be true. Are the Mets that out of touch? Are they that poorly run that they're going to waste their 10th pick in the draft, which is a pretty high pick. It means they had the 10th worst record in, the, in Major League Baseball last year. That's how the draft works in reverse order. This year, they're having a better season. Does it matter? 10, 13, 15. Mike Trout was drafted, I think, 27th or something. Pujols later, I mean, just there's player upon player who get drafted in lower rounds. doesn't really matter whether you draft 10th or 15th. You just need a good scouting director, good scouts, and an owner who will listen. But here's what goes on in baseball, because one thing that made us crazy is we were lied to by the agents every single time. How do you feel as a player? Let me touch you. Touch me, babe. I'd always listen to the doors while negotiating with draft picks. We need to touch your elbow. We need to look at it. We want to look at your shoulder. We want to look at your legs, your heart. Come on. Let us do a physical. Nope. 
You can only do a physical after you draft the player. Well, that's not fair. That puts us at a total disadvantage. MLB said, we have an idea. We're going to negotiate this with the union. It's very simple. MLB will conduct physicals on players who are eligible for the draft. We will make those findings available to teams so we can't have our own doctors look until after an agreement is signed pending a physical. But you will be able to see a collective piece of information. And if a player does not agree to that, that player is on his own. If a player does agree to get looked at prior to the draft, then even if your arm is going to fall off and you do the physical with MLB and MLB shows that you're missing your UCL, which is your ulnar collateral ligament, but a team drafts you anyway, then a team does a physical and they look at you and say, ooh, I don't think I can sign you. Your elbow looks terrible. You have got to make an offer to that player of 40% of the slot value. Let me explain. There are values now. The union who pays far more attention to the big leaguers than to the drafted players, and we always knew that, so we always took advantage of that fact. The union said, no problem. We are going to agree to let MLB conduct physicals, and if a player does take part in that physical and then gets drafted and then the team that drafts him does not want to sign him to the slot level because every pick has a slot level the team has got to offer that player has got to offer that player 40 percent of that slot value and if the player then accepts it because the agent says hey you better take that it's the only money you're going to make because it's true you have no elbow or it's true, your labrum is so torn, or it's fraying, or you've got the MRI of a 70-year-old, that player gets 40% in the slot value. But if the player does not participate in the league-wide physicals and the player gets drafted, the player gets signed to an agreement pending a physical, the physical shows your elbows falling off, and the team decides not to sign that player for the agreed-upon amount, and start a renegotiation, that team can offer the player a donut and a bag of rocks. You are not protected by the agreement between the owners and the players if you do not agree to the physical before the draft. Guess what Kumar Rocker, the player the Mets drafted, who is represented by Boras, of course, guess what Rocker didn't do? He did not agree to get a physical beforehand. The Mets draft him at number 10. They agree to give him $6 million in a pre-draft deal. Don't believe what you read that that deal was agreed upon after the draft. It was agreed upon prior to the Mets drafting him. Boras had told the teams above the Mets, don't take him unless you're going to give him six. And those teams said six for Rocker, negative. Falls to the Mets. The Mets say we're in. They agree to six. Then once you agree, you have a physical the Mets look at the physical and say, row, we're not offering them anything. Is that what happened? That's what the Mets are claiming happened. The Mets are saying they didn't make an offer of any kind. Horse hockey. I don't care if his elbow's completely fallen off. When you sign a player 
and draft a player who didn't participate in the program, you're going to make an offer because you want him in your system. Because even if he is hurt and needs surgery, needs Tommy John or pitches for a minute and then needs Tommy John or pitches for a year and then needs Tommy John, by definition, you can take him, offer him a $100,000 bonus, let him pitch until he needs surgery, then put him into workers' comp. That's what happens when a player gets hurt, by the way. Becomes workers' comp. Rehab him and see what happens. The Mets are saying they didn't even make him an offer. I find that to be very fishy. What actually happened is Boras said, I want $6 million for my player, no matter what the physical said. The Mets said the physical shows that he's only worth hundred grand. Boras said, I want the $6 million. The Mets said, we're not giving you the $6 million. Mets fans said, wait a minute. Is this bad? Is this bad news for the Mets? Is this another example of Steve Cohn being cheap? I'm the first one to tell you if I have an issue with Steve Cohn. I have an issue with the tweet he sent, but not an issue with them not signing Rocker. I thought they would because I thought Boras would realize it's better for Rocker to be signed in an organization. But I was wrong. It was not a way to see, but I was wrong. And the reason I was wrong is I underestimated the unbelievable maniacal ego of Boras and his inability to ever consider the player. So here's what he told his player. Kumar, here's what you're going to do. You're not going to sign with the Mets. Then you're not going to go back to Vanderbilt. Totally side note here. We could have an entire discussion on why certain athletes are in college because clearly it's not for the degree. Vanderbilt is a great school. What would be wrong with having a degree from Vanderbilt? He's already going to be a senior. But Boras said, no, you're not going back to Vanderbilt. We are going to do a Luke on you, a Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker was drafted in 2005, failed the physical, ended up not signing, went back, didn't go to school, but said, you know what? I'm just going to work out on my own and ended up being drafted by the Royals, had a nine-year decent career, actually pitched the last inning of the World Series when the, ironically, when the Royals beat the Mets. And Luke Hoshevar made like $30 million. He was fine, but certainly not worthy of a number one. A successful number one is a roster changer, an organization changer. But again, the odds of that are at best 50-50. So Boras said, you know what? Don't go to Vandy, Rocker. Just work out on your own, and we're going to get you more money next year. Do you think the Mets didn't know what they were doing? They did. Rocker's velocity had trailed off last year in Vanderbilt. Clearly, there was something wrong. And when a player does not submit to the pre-draft MLB physicals, that is an alarm. Boras says it's not an alarm. I don't agree that my players should be looked at before the draft. I'm going to do a physical. Boras would always call us with that. We did a physical. We have a full set of doctors here at my institute of churning out great players until they're not. So Boris, of course, had to do a quote, and I got to go over the quote. It's too good. Kumar Rocker is healthy 
according to independent medical review by multiple prominent baseball orthopedic surgeons. Immediately upon the conclusion of his collegiate season, he had an MRI on both his shoulder and his elbow. When compared with his 2018 MRIs, by the way, how's HIPAA doing? The medical experts found no significant change. Kumar requires no medical attention and will continue to pitch in the regular course as he prepares to begin his professional career. Uh, I've come down from the mountain and I have spoken to the MLB world, shown that the Mets don't know what they're doing and that Steve Cohn will not listen to me. Do you know what happens when an MRI is taken in 18 and 21 and there's no significant change? You know what that means to me as a baseball executive? It means zero. It means there's been no acute change, but I can still look at an MRI and be told by the doctor he's got the elbow of a 40-year-old. There is a 65% chance it will blow. He's got the shoulder of a 70-year-old. There's an 80% chance that labrum is going to tear. An independent medical review. You make me laugh, Scotty boy. You really do. Finding no significant change doesn't mean one thing when you're deciding whether to sign a player. Requiring no immediate medical attention means zero. Boras is trying to tell the baseball world that he knows best and that he wants to be in control of his players. It doesn't work, Scott. And all would have been well if Steve Cohn had just left it alone, but he couldn't. He said, education time, he tweeted. Baseball draft picks are worth up to five times their slot value to clubs. I never shy away from investments that can make me that type of return. What a show off. We already know that you're rich. We know that you run a firm on Wall Street that other than sexual harassment and workplace misconduct and total misogyny and Wolf of Wall Street dwarf tossing, other than all that, with Rob Reiner as the head of compliance, other than that, we know that you're good at your job. And you've been a great owner because we're gonna, the Mets are going to win a World Series in three to five years. You didn't sign uh, Bauer, way to go. You traded for Lindor and signed him, and he's doing great MVP-style season. You've been in first place for the longest of any Mets team in God knows how long, in the best division in baseball, the NL East. You traded for Javi Baez, who hit a home run in the first game back. You guys are in perfect position. Well, maybe not. But I want to teach you one thing, Steve, just us, just between us. Not everybody else listening and watching to nothing personal. This is just between me and you. All of your analytics people, because I know that you've got a big department with the Mets and a very big department in your Wall Street firm, and all the people in the Wall Street firm want to work in baseball. So everyone's being analytical. Everyone's telling you everything. And they've reported to you that draft picks are like gold, because that's what the Dodgers say, and that's what other Young Ivy League educated executives say draft picks are gold. You can get five times. So if you pay a player $2 million, that means he's worth at least $10 million to you. And they do that. So just so I can teach you, Steve, they tell you how many millions of dollars it should be per win. Let's say it's $2 million per win. General, generally speaking. And then let's say that players and they talk about wins above replacement. They talk about the fact that if you draft a player, that it's the cheapest way to acquire talent. 
What they mean is that if you sign five draft picks and two of them make it to the big leagues and one of those becomes a performing everyday player, your price of acquisition was only his signing bonus plus development through the minor leagues, which is when you get paid the minimum, plus his pre-arbitration years, which is when he only gets paid the major league minimum. So you get three years of great performance at the major league level at, let's say, $600,000 a year. So let's say you're only paying him $1.8 million in his first three years, but he's pitching like a middle-of-the-rotation guy, winning more than he's losing, competing for Cy Youngs and MVPs. And on the free agent market, that player would have been making 10 million or 15 million or 20 million. So just that year alone, you are paying a guy half a million when you could have been paying him 20 million. And all it did was cost you 5 million to get him. So you've really only spent $7 million for three years of performance when if he had been a free agent, you would have paid 60 million or 20 million a year. Now that's good business. Steve, I'm with you, buddy. I really am. But you're missing one important factor in the calculation that people aren't telling you about. The millions of dollars that you spend on the players who do not make it. The millions of dollars you spend on free agent signings of players who do not perform. You have to meld it all together. You cannot just build your team and say, we are going to have all performing young zero to three players. You've got to sprinkle them with veterans who you are clearly overpaying, but those veterans have to perform for you because if they don't, you won't win. It's the people who can build a team with a combination of players from expensive to cheap. It's a combination of having players who are young and good and old and good, that's how you win a World Series. It's a puzzle that you put together. You can't look at one individual part and say, this is the education. This is the investment I would make. Because if it's true, why didn't you make Rocker an offer? Because the cost of him at a million dollars, if he ends up not getting hurt and performing, what about that is five times your investment? There's something rotten in the state of Denmark something more fishy than the market in Tokyo. And it all has to do with the fact that Scott Boris, it's all about him not wanting to take under 6 million for his player. Why? Because when he markets to other players and it's all about him signing his next player, he gets to go to the next family, to the next free agent and say, when I promise you're going to get something, you get it. I don't care if your arm's falling off. We are not going to take less money ever. That's what this is about. All right, Mets fans, don't worry. You're going to be okay. I want to move on to the trade deadline. The trade deadline happened on Friday. I was supposed to do a bonus episode. I could not do it Friday night. I apologize for that. But I'm back now. Everyone does these lists. When you're in... Uh, this is funny about being a baseball executive. We don't pay attention to the rankings of prospects in Baseball America or MLB.com or any of that. We don't pay attention to the simulations. But there is one list that we do pay attention to, and it is so bizarre. And I can't explain it because we sit around in a room on the trade deadline and we're making trades and we're selling or we're buying or we're buying and selling. Very rarely are we standing pat in 18 years, I don't think. 
I want to say, Coca, in 18 years, there was not one trade deadline where we did not make a trade sometime in the June or July area. I think I was 18 for 18. And for whatever reason, we would get our rocks off by looking at the winners and losers lists of everyone. We'd have an intern compile all of the winners and losers lists that are published. And now they're way more than there were back then. And we'd always want to be on the winners list. I have no idea why we needed that or wanted that or it mattered to us. It is so bizarre as I look back on it because those lists, they don't matter at all. There is no correlation between being on the winner's list and winning the World Series, being on the loser's list and not making the World Series or being on the loser's list and not having a good trade or not rebuilding your team properly. So I'm not giving you a winner's and loser's list. I refuse to do it. Everyone's like, the Dodgers are winners. They got Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. Hip, hip, hooray. Who are they calling losers, Coca? I guess the White Sox would be winners. They got Craig Kimbrell. So many trades. Why are all these trades going on? I want to tell you why. And it's called COVID. There had been a stretch of years where trading prospects and good prospects, young, good prospects, was really not something that teams wanted to do. And the reason they didn't want to do it is they felt as though that they were not getting any sort of benefit from all of their overpaid free agents. And they felt as though that having enough young players, like 20 of them, who are all really good prospects, you're hoping you get a few at your big league team because it's so hard for prospects to make it. Even when you're top of the line, totally valued, the number one prospect, it's still hard to be a performing player at the big league level. So teams would hold on to them. They'd want to gather them. It's sort of like what Oklahoma City is doing in basketball and what another team did. I can't remember where they're just collecting draft picks. Collecting prospects in baseball is the equivalent of collecting draft picks in the NBA. And uh, is, what did I call them? I didn't call them the OKC Thunder. I, did I call them something else? Sorry, Coca. It's Monday. The Thunder are collecting draft picks like that. And baseball teams were collecting prospects. What's changed is that COVID happened. They lost the 2020 season in terms of gate revenue. And while there are new national TV deals, the bottom line is all these teams are losing money on an operating basis. And payrolls are not going up except in a very few circumstances, the Dodgers being one of them. Payrolls are generally going down. Teams don't want to hit the luxury tax threshold. They don't want to pay penalties. Teams aren't going over slot on draft picks for the most part. They don't want to pay penalties. Forget losing draft picks, which is another penalty. They don't want to pay financial penalties. They're looking to save money wherever they can. And the best way to save money is when you say to your baseball people, hey, um, can we use our prospects to get a bunch of players, please? And can those players get paid down, if you don't mind, so we're not taking on any additional payroll this year? Remember what we told you when players get traded at the deadline, either you agree to pay their salary and therefore you can give worse prospects or you can have the trading team pay the salary of the player and you can give them better prospects. Teams are saying, you know what? I'm not taking on money. And when you have a player on your team who you're trading, 
like what the Marlins did with Starling Marte to the A's, you already budgeted to pay him the remaining $4 million of his contract. You might as well get back better prospects because that will help you going forward. And teams like the A's and many others are saying, I'd rather give you better prospects and not increase my payroll above what was budgeted this year because we're already losing so much money. So right now, prospects are being treated differently. You saw more top prospects traded during the deadline than we had. Of course, that's completely anecdotal. It just felt that way, but I think it's right because I looked into it very curse, curse in a cursory way, but I think I'm right. So the deadline passes, and my entire timeline in every article I read in every paper kept talking about the fire sale that the Cubs did and the fire sale that the Nationals did. And I got angry. I got angry because they did what the Marlins did. And it's not a fire sale. When you trade players who are going to be free agents, who you know you are not going to sign, or you may sign them, but you have no chance of winning this particular year, like what the Yankees did with Aroldis Chapman in 2016 when they traded him to the Cubs he won the World Series for the Cubs in 16 and then signed as a free agent in 17 back with the Yankees. You're welcome, Chapman, for the offer we made you with the Marlins for 17. And the Yankees had to match it. Randy Levine was so pissed. He called me and said, are you seriously offering Chapman that amount of money? Yes, we are, Randy. We want him. Come on. And then he had to match it and sign Chapman. <laughs> that made me smile driving up the bidding, knowing Chapman wouldn't sign with the Marlins, driving up the bidding for Kenley Jansen, knowing he wouldn't move to Florida. <laughs> Made me smile. Anytime we could get big market teams to overpay for players, that was a good day for us low-revenue teams. So the Cubs trade Rizzo, Baez, and Bryant, and everyone's crying, crying emojis everywhere. First time in history, Rizzo, Baez, and Bryant – Three players traded from a team go to a new team and each homer in the first game for their new team as though now those three players are going to be all-star caliber players again. Keep in mind, Rizzo, Baez, and Bryant are the 2016 great players, not the 2021 great players. But Cubs fans are upset. It's a fire sale. Your window's closed right now and your front office led by a guy smarter than you, smarter than I, Jed Hoyer, realizes that his job is to win another World Series for you, not to keep players from the old World Series who aren't going to win another World Series. You think Mark Lerner, the owner of the Nationals, can't afford to keep Kyle Schwarber and Max Scherzer and Trey Turner? Could, but he's not going to. When you're building a team, you don't sign Max Scherzer, who won a World Series for you, who doesn't do steroids, you don't sign him at his age to another five-year, $150 million deal. Let someone else do it. You got your World Series. He was going to be a free agent, and the Dodgers were desperate. They needed pitching, and the Dodgers were willing to give tremendous prospects that will help the Nationals win again. And the Nationals just won a World Series in 2019. Stop criticizing them. They got the ring. 
They need to sign Juan Soto, their best player, to a $300 million deal. So they're not going to sign Trey Turner also to $300 million. So you might as well let him go to the Dodgers and get back better players. The Nationals signed Steven Strasburg to that long-term deal. And you were all happy. You can't have everything. You can't have everyone. So you want a front office who knows what it's doing. Yet they were relentlessly criticized. Relentlessly for no reason. The Nats and Cubs did exactly what they should have done. The Yankees did not. It's nice that they got Rizzo. It's nice that they got Gallo. It's fun to write out that lineup if you're Aaron Boone. It is super fun. Yankees are playing great. They swept the Marlins. Oh, my God. The Yankees are in it. You think that Brian Cashman is dancing in the aisles right now because they swept the Marlins? Where Coca could have played for the Marlins? And the Marlins didn't make bad trades. I wouldn't have said what Jeter said, that the organization got better. To me, the organization is the major league team. To Jeter, it's the minor league system. Yes, the minor league system got better. That is true. But the guys the Marlins traded, they were not helping you guys, Marlins fans, make it to the playoffs. I know they made the playoffs last year. Remember what I told you. Executives in baseball did not look at last year as anything other than an anomaly. That's it. You are the team you are this year. And the Marlins are showing what they are, so they made the right trades. The Mets felt pressure to make a trade, so they got Javi Baez. Everyone's excited for Baez. Remember, we talked about that on Friday. Baez wants to be a Met, so they got it done. Baez is going to play short till Lindor gets back from his injury. What it then Baez will move to second. Everything's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. And then the Mets announced that Jacob DeGrom is hurt. The New York Mets cannot win the ALE. The ALE, stop that, Coca. Seven, six, nine. The Mets cannot win the NL East without Jacob DeGrom. They simply cannot. If he is out for the rest of the season, the Mets will not win that division. The Phillies or the Braves, and I still think the Braves, will catch the Mets, even with Baez. I thought Stroman would act like a number one yesterday. That's because he was the pick of the day. He did not. The other bit of news that happened at the trade deadline is people were disappointed that the Padres didn't get Scherzer. That was the rumor. The Padres end up making a few minor deals. But then Tatis got hurt again. Do you remember Fernando Tatis, the MVP front runner, sort of the front runner this year because it's not going to be DeGrom anymore. Remember we said that his shoulder is going to need surgery, but no one believed me. And everyone's in my Twitter, David P. Sampson, saying, you're a jerk. Why, why are you such a hater? I love Tatis. I love him. I don't love the contract he signed if I'm the Padres, but I love him. I love him as a person. I love him as a player. I love the way he represents the game. But he's got a shoulder problem that requires surgery, and it is just a matter of time. And for the Padres to invest in a season where they are in third place behind the Dodgers and the Giants, the Giants who got better with Chris Bryant, who it looks like they are, have enough to make it through the deadline of the end of the season, not the trade deadline. The Dodgers, who are going to make the playoffs as well. I don't blame the Padres for not overpaying for Scherzer. I don't at all. Tatis is out. He may have surgery, missed the rest of the season. 
that'll do it for the Padres. And I want to close with the Dodgers on my trade deadline. People really do have a misunderstanding. When you do well in the offseason, it doesn't mean you're going to have a good season. Teams that win the offseason rarely do. We told you that teams that win spring training don't make the playoffs this year. The, Mar- the uh, Royals and Marlins won the Cactus and Grapefruit League, respectively. I said those teams won't make the playoffs, and they're not going to. There's certain things that don't matter, no matter what. Winning the offseason, winning spring training, and being the runaway winner of the trade deadline. There is zero correlation, no matter what you are reading. The Dodgers are a juggernaut. Do you remember before the season started, the Dodgers were going to be the best team in the history of baseball? Anyone? Do you remember the Dodgers were going to break the record for the most wins? I think the record's held by the Mariners or the Yankees, 116 or 120 or some ridiculous number. The Dodgers are very good. They don't have the best record in baseball, and it's been over 100 games. But now put Scherzer with Bueller and Kershaw and Urias. No one's going to win a game against them in the playoffs. It's over. Really? Okay. I guess we have a way to see that the Dodgers don't win the World Series, don't we? Don't coronate anyone as World Series winner because it takes so much luck. You have no idea to win a World Series. To get there, the Dodgers will get to the playoffs. But to get through the playoffs, you need everything to go right. You need Kevin Cash to pull Blake Snell in a game six. You need errors by the other team, timely hits by your team, great pitching performances. Stop getting so despondent if you're not the Dodgers. All right, when we come back, you gave me a movie to watch and I will review it. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Hope you had a good weekend. Today is Monday, August 2nd. We've been talking a bit of baseball, but I still have time to watch movies, and I do. And I still love your suggestions at David P. Sampson on Twitter. Follow me and give me some thoughts. 
you asked me to watch a movie called My Blind Brother. I don't know how I missed it. Jenny Slate, who I adore, Adam Scott, who is hilarious. We're in a movie. Who knew? It was a movie about a blind man and his brother, his brother who takes care of him through these athletic endeavors, helps him run and swim, et cetera. And they end up falling in love with the same woman. And the brother is not all that nice. The blind brother is not all that nice to his other brother, who's played by, I want to say Dave Kroll, but I don't think that's his name. Um, Coco, Nick Kroll. Who's Dave Grohl? He must be a singer for a band. Is he in the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Or maybe he's in Limp Biscuit. Anyway, Nick Kroll is the guy in the movie, not Dave Grohl. Nirvana. Damn it, Coca. Oh, and the Foo Fighters. All right. Good for you, Coca. I was a little off, but I'm there. I was so close, right? Limp Biscuit was on my mind because I watched Woodstock 99, which I'll review this week. If you have not seen Woodstock 99, the first movie by the ringer, Bill Simmons, it's you have to watch it. Preview. Watch it. I'm going to review it. So my blind brother, thank you for the suggestion. It was fine. That's all. It was not movie making history. It was not edge of your seat romance. It was not edge of your seat action. I didn't cry. I didn't laugh. I smiled a bit. My blind brother, there's too much other good content out there for you to see. Nothing personal pick of the day. We won our hundredth game, Coca. We only went one and two this weekend. The Yankees beat the Marlins Friday. We knew that would happen. But something happened in Saturday's game. We had the Astros over the Giants. And the Giants won in a back and forth game where Zach Ranke, every time I think he's going to pitch well, he pitches only okay. The Astros continue to lead their division. The Giants continue to lead their division. We just lost the game. It's not the end of the world. But I do want to talk about Sunday's game. I want to go back to the Mets. We talked about them early in this show. The Mets lost to the Reds. The Reds are trying to catch the Padres for the second wild card. The Reds are playing much better. One of the hottest teams, Joey Votto, was trying to tie the record for eight games in a row of home runs. Who's got that record, Coke? Is it Don Mattingly? By the way, feel better, Donnie. Tested positive for COVID. Please feel better. But Marcus Stroman is supposed to be the ace of the Mets now with Jacob DeGrom hurt. He'd been pitching well. And when you're playing the Cincinnati Reds, a potential playoff team, your post deadline, you've got Javi Baez. He hits a home run. You've got to pitch better. And the Mets have to play better. The Mets got their ass kicked yesterday. It's outrageous. So we're 186 and we have a pick for you for today. And it's a good one. Andrew Heaney is pitching. My guy, we drafted Andrew Heaney. Andrew Heaney made it to the big leagues. That means is another successful first round pick for your Florida Marlins. Or maybe he was drafted by the Miami Marlins. I don't remember what year we drafted him. We changed names in 12. This is 21. He may have been drafted by the Florida Marlins. I can't remember the year. I'm so bad at remembering years. So we traded him to the Dodgers for Dan Heron and D Gordon and then paying the salary of Dan Heron. So we had to give up Andrew Heaney and a bunch of other players. Oh, we drafted him in 2012, the first year we were the Miami Marlins. Thank you, Coca. He's the first. That means that Andrew Heaney is the first ever first round pick of the Miami Marlins. I think that must be right. 
because the name was changed in November 11th of 11, 11, 11, 11. So Andrew Heaney was traded to the Dodgers. They immediately traded him to the Angels for Howie Kendrick. He's been, in, he's been an Anaheim Angel for a while. I think he was an opening day starter recently, maybe even this year. He's a successful starter, but certainly not a number one. The Yankees have him. That's how bad the Yankees need pitching, how badly. That they've got Andrew Heaney as a deadline acquisition. Good for them. The Yankees are collecting middle to bottom end of the rotation starters. The good news is they're playing the Orioles for Andrew Heaney's debut. The bad news is Heaney may give up a home run or two because the Orioles, for whatever reason, did not trade Means or Mancini or some other players they could have. Not sure why. Maybe their rebuild is almost done. But we're taking the Yankees. The Yankees are hot. Hot. All right, let's talk a little wait to see if you don't mind. Wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. And either it does or it doesn't. But either way, we're going to revisit it. I promise you that. I told you on July 20th that the Mets would add at the deadline. And they did. They added Baez. So that's a yes. But then on July 28th, I did something that I thought was a slam dunk wait to see that Simone Biles would not compete in any individual events. And this weekend, she pulled out of three of the four individual events in gymnastics. But last night, in the middle of the night, it was announced that she will compete in the final individual event. And I'm totally blanking which one she's competing in. Is it the floor, Coca? Or is it the balance beam? I think it's the balance beam. I can't believe she's actually going to compete in the balance beam. If you've got the twisties and you've got to do something on a tiny little balance beam, isn't that sort of scary? But I understand why she wouldn't compete on the floor because when you've got the twisties, which are the yips, and you're doing the triple double up in the air, bouncing around, and you miss where you are, you could fall and it hurts. And I get it. But she's in. And that's great news. I hope she wins the gold. But that wait to see was completely incorrect from July 28th. So for the wait to see today, I want to point out something that happened with the Washington Nationals over the weekend that probably didn't get any press, but it is something that must be discussed. Starlin Castro is a player who was on the Marlins, and then he was traded, and then he's now on the Washington Nationals. Starlin Castro got suspended by Major League Baseball for 30 games for violating the domestic violence policy, MLB's domestic violence policy. 30-day. That's under 81, which is what other players have gotten. It's when MLB investigates and says, we, we're pretty sure he did something. We're not exactly sure how bad it was but it was bad enough that we have to make an example, but not so bad that we're going to suspend him for half a season or a career or a year. A moderate suspension. I'm not sure what moderate domestic abuse is. To me, it's very binary. You either abuse someone or you don't. You either hit a woman or you don't. Either the investigation finds that you did or didn't. I don't like gray in this area. We don't know. We investigated and it's possible. We interviewed everyone and we don't know for sure. So we're just going to do 30 games. Well, 
If you don't know for sure, that doesn't sound like it's beyond a reasonable doubt. I believe you need to use the criminal level when you are suspending players. Don't just make it about show. Do the investigation. Oh, MLB always says we don't have subpoena authority. We can't make people tell us what happened. Well, if you can't make people tell you what happened, I get it. Then how the hell do you know what happened? And if you don't know what happened, how are you punishing someone? But Castro got punished. But what happened next? Excuse me, I'm sneezing and coughing. One second, please. It's Monday. What do you want? I say that every day. It's the middle of the week. What do you expect? It's the end of the week. I'm exhausted. It's the start of the week. I haven't spoken in two days. I don't talk much on weekends except with my fingers. Saving my voice for you for the week. My raspy, dulcet tones that I've had since I was 13. When I started at baritone and started at soprano and moved to baritone or the other way around. Anyway, so Castro suspended for 30 games. The Nationals came out and said that upon his serving of his suspension, he will be released by the Washington Nationals. Now that makes me smile. The Nationals are playing the high and mighty card. They're saying that we have zero tolerance. Zero tolerance. Here's the problem with what the Nationals did. They will not be able to consistently apply this across the board. Because guess what? If Juan Soto did this, they would not release Juan Soto. If their top pitching prospect or top pitcher did it, they would not release that player. But they're able to release Starlin Castro because A, he's not a part of their team. He's a free agent next year. B, he's not good enough to be on a team that's going to ever make the playoffs or win. So C, the juice is not worth the squeeze. You might as well just get rid of him. Say you're doing it. Pay him the rest of his contract once the suspension is served and then release him. And you get to look good doing it. But I'm calling out the Nationals and all the other teams because you're just like I was. We're all the same. We want to say that we will do the right thing, but we'll only do the right thing when either it's a player that is not of great impact or it is so egregious, so outrageous, such an example that we will then release the player too. But anything in the middle with a great player, we're not going to do it. An example is with the Dodgers and Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer is still on administrative leave. He is going to get suspended. We said that in a wait to see. What will the Dodgers do next? He is the perfect example of a player who will get released by the Dodgers. While he does have another year at $40 million and a year after that at $15 million, he is a player who is not additive enough in any way 
where he can then be treated. It's not just about whether you're a free agent. It's about what you mean to the team. Trevor Bauer means nothing to the Dodgers. They are going to forget about him. Here's the wait to see. Trevor Bauer will never put on a Dodgers uniform again in a Major League Baseball game. Not one game. You wait to see. Well, that's our show for today. That was a lot to digest. I appreciate you giving me 45 minutes, a packed show. We'll be back tomorrow. And remember, it's just business. It's nothing personal. <laughs> 